This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver, a series of mysterious incidents late last year shut down the Suncor oil refinery for weeks. And that poses a question environmentalists have been asking for decades. What if the massive Commerce City refinery shut down for good? Denver Post reporter Noelle Phillips is back on the show to break it down. Today is Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. I'm Paul Caroli, and here's what Denver's talking about. Noelle Phillips, welcome back to CityCast Denver. I'm glad to be here. So, Noelle, I think we have to start by defining our terms here because people say Suncor a lot, but what exactly do we mean when we say Suncor? Yeah, so Suncor is a big oil refinery in Commerce City. And when you drive down I-70 and you look to your left and you see all these smokestacks, sometimes there's flames coming out, that's Suncor. And for more than 100 years now, this refinery has been something of a boogeyman for environmentalists, for neighbors and the neighborhoods that have grown up around it. But something happened in late December that kicked off a string of incidents that feels different. Can you tell me about the series of events that started on December 21st? Yes. Yeah, so if everybody remembers, December 21st is when we had that like really severe, really fast temperature drop. It went from 42 down to five. And it was one of the biggest one-hour drops in the National Weather Service in Boulder's history. And so Suncor experienced a malfunction that night. Most of us didn't know anything had happened until the wee hours of the morning on December 22nd. Colorado's only oil refinery is shutting down for months. The company's saying equipment was damaged leading up to Christmas Eve due to the extreme cold, but there was also a fire at the plant around 11 in the morning on Saturday, leading to two people being hurt. Right now, it's unclear how serious their injuries are. This is the second incident at the refinery this week. Just two days ago, the alarm was activated, but everything was deemed safe. Apart from the cold snap, have you been able to learn much more about what actually happened inside the refinery that week? What went wrong? Why those two people got hurt? Well, it's a private business. It's um, based in Canada and, you know, they're not subject to FOIA or CORA. Those are the federal and state open records laws. So they don't have to tell us anything. So that means reporters who cover the company have to dig. And in the past few years, because of the public pressure about pollution coming out of the refinery, they do have a public notification system. So I've signed up for the alerts. It's like on December 22nd at 2.50 a.m., I get texts and phone calls. My phone, because I'm a reporter, I sleep with it on next to my bed because you just don't know when you might be needed for breaking news. 
my phone started beeping. And so that was when I first knew something was wrong with Suncor. And now Suncor is saying the entire facility will be shut down and put into safe mode to allow for inspection of all units and repairs to damaged equipment there. That's expected to be completed within the first few months of next year. And so that's one way they do public communication. But as far as like giving specifics of like what actually broke at the refinery during this cold snap, they did say a hydrogen plant tripped, which hydrogen is needed in the refining process, but that's all they would say. So trying to guess like what big pieces of equipment broke and in what order, they didn't have to tell us and um, they didn't. And, and why does that matter that this company isn't being open with what's happening inside this refinery? Well, there's just so little public trust with Suncor. It's this big corporation, and it's based in another country, and it's huge. And for years, there's been a lot of pollution coming out of there, and people in the community just don't trust it. I think that when they are secretive about things that are going on and vague, it just it further erodes the trust. But again, you know, they also, they're a business. They want to make a profit, and you don't want to tip your hand to your competitors, and so you can understand like why they might not want to say certain things because they don't want their competitors to know what's really wrong over there. Well, one thing that is wrong that did happen during this six week shutdown that followed those incidents we talked about is there was a, a reported leak of benzene from one of the plants. I knew I needed to ask you this question, Noel. Should Denverites be worried about benzene? Doesn't sound great. Yeah, I wouldn't want to drink it. No. <laughs> yeah, so that's a um, byproduct of the uh, refining process. But you don't want to come in contact with it in large quantities because it um, can make you pretty sick. Right. And that brings me, I guess, to this other aspect of the shutdown that I remember was a big conversation back when it was first announced. People were hopeful. People were excited about this. At least some environmentalists were that this shutdown might mean less pollution, lower environmental and public health impacts on the area. Did we see any of that? Do we know anything about that? Yeah, everyone really hoped that, oh, they're going to shut down for three months. We will experience what three months of no emissions from Suncor is like, and we will be able to compare our air quality for these three months to the air quality, you know, the prior three months when it was active. Well, that's not really how this works because as they're over there trying to get everything rolling again, they're going to be emitting pollutants into the air. And they indeed have been um, a lot. They have like certain levels of all these chemicals that they can release. And when they go above that permitted a level, that's called an exceedance. And so... There's been more than 30 reported exceedances since December 21st. But the problem is, and it's, it came up last week at a Commerce City Council meeting, is we don't know what the cumulative effect of it is. So if I live in Commerce City a half a mile from the refinery and I'm constantly breathing this stuff over the long term of my life, what is it doing to me? And that's something that I don't think anybody really has a grip on. You hear a lot, like one of the Commerce City Council, the mayor pro Tim has lived in the same house in Commerce City her entire life. And she's a family nurse practitioner. 
And she's like, I just see so many cases of asthma and so many patients get cancer and I get bad headaches. And I, you know, I don't have any evidence that it's Suncor, but I feel like it is. And so that's one of the things that people I think really would like to know over there is, okay, you didn't poison me in the moment that I got so sick that I passed out, but I've lived here for 30 years and breathed this in and my children have asthma. And is it, it's the, it's gotta be the refinery, but we really don't have any scientific evidence that that is the case. Huh. Interesting. So there haven't been any long-term health surveys. You haven't seen anything Mm -hmm. like that. I'm Mm -hmm. shocked at that actually. Yeah. And you know, there is a, the state came in and told Suncor, you have to monitor your air quality and they call it fence line monitoring. And so they're making Suncor put up air monitors at certain points along the perimeter of the facility. And these things like rotate and catch constantly catch air samples. But then the state came in and told Suncor, all right, you're doing this monitoring for these things, but we want you to expand what you monitor. And Suncor didn't like it. And there's a lawsuit pending over that. Suncor has a private company that they've hired that has these like sniffers and a big van and all these computer consoles. And they drive around the neighborhood pulling in air samples from time to time and then put up what they say is in the air. And then there's a nonprofit called Cultivando that has also runs air monitoring and has an air monitoring station in the neighborhood to catch what's coming out. And so there's dashboards online where you can go look, but they're really complex. And I have a hard time looking at them and I've been looking at them for a couple of years now. So, you know, if you don't have a PhD, in um, chemicals or chemistry or whatever, it, it's really difficult to discern like what it is. And but that I think is supposed to like take a stab at like the continuous flow and what's coming out of there and like gather a cumulative effect. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. Let's talk about the other side of this, the the economics of, uh, of this whole situation. I've heard politicians talk a lot about how important Suncor is, not just to Denver, but to all of Colorado. What has the Suncor shutdown meant for the local economy? Well, a federal report came out last week, and the most immediate impact for all of us is gasoline has gone up a dollar a gallon, and the federal government's report attributed it to the Suncor shutdown. So we're paying higher gas prices than almost anywhere else in the country. By a dollar per gallon Mm -hmm. because of one refinery. Mm -hmm. It's the only fuel producer that's in Colorado. And 
35 to 40 percent of all the gasoline sold in the state is made at the Suncor refinery. So without that product flowing into the state, we have to get it through pipelines or truck it in. And so there's like supply and demand economics, less gasoline available. And so it's going to cost more. And then because it's having to be trucked in, you got to account for like the labor and the fuel transportation costs of bringing it in from Nebraska, Kansas, Wyoming in a truck. I find this so interesting, putting the the economic impact up next to the environmental effects that people are so upset about that the neighbors have been complaining about. And I know that, you know, it poses this one big question. Um, every time something with Suncor comes up, you know, this refinery is so old, the neighbors don't like it, it seems unreliable, the climate change element. I know people daydream about what Denver would look like without Suncor. The shutdown gave us just a glimpse. What did you see? What do you think life in Denver would be like without Suncor? Well, we've learned now that gasoline would be more expensive. Um, and it's already expensive. And, you know, with groceries higher, rent is so expensive. It would be a serious economic question for people who need to drive, you know, to go to work, get kids to school, that sort of thing. Like, what would that do to household budgets? Um, it's a fair question to ask. And is it worth it? Another thing is, is, you know, they've been refining gasoline over there for nearly 100 years. And when the, they started refining gasoline, the EPA wouldn't come around for another four decades. And hmm. so what's in the ground over there and what do you do with it? It's not like I, I had one expert that I've spoken with. It's like, well, it's not like it's going to turn into a children's playground or a park anytime soon. And also because we wouldn't be refining gasoline here, there's pipelines that come in there. We would need those pipelines to bring in fuel. And so now you've got this, like the plants closed, but look at it. Like, what do we do with that? And how much would it cost to clean that up and turn it into something that people could actually use? And could you even do that? Huh? Yeah. That's really interesting. It makes me think about the arsenal right next door. Of course, mm -hmm. how something very similar happened. It was this toxic industrial site and it cost some enormous amount of money and took decades. But now we do have this wide open space with bison, with black-footed ferrets running around. Yeah. A, a refinery closed in Philadelphia, it's fairly recent. And like the cost for cleaning that up, they want to turn it into like city development is just, it's billions, an enormous task. Well, do you think there's any chance of this actually happening of, of a, a Denver without Suncor sometime in the future? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball, but... You know, you just think about like a company whose business is to make money for its investors and it's very profitable. An analyst told me that it's in the it's ranked in the top five most profitable refineries in the United States. I think for any company that would be hard to let go. And it, they've got a corner on the Colorado market because it's the only in-state gasoline producer and they have like up to 40 percent of the market, which is huge. I mean, at some point, perhaps there's enough public pressure and politicians finally give in, but there's just so much money and the oil and gas lobby is powerful. 
we still like to drive our cars in America. And so, yes, while it contributes, like all of this oil and gas production and refining contributes to climate change, I don't know in my lifetime if that's going to go away. They can put more stricter regulations on it. Technology can improve and maybe reduce the impact. But I don't, mm, I, I just don't know about that just completely going away. Well, Noel Phillips, thanks for thanks for joining me and breaking this down. Yeah, I hope it helps people understand a little bit more about Suncor and what it does. One other thing Suncor is doing is restarting. After a six-week shutdown, the refinery in Commerce City is expected to be fully back online by the end of March. How soon will that lead to lower gas prices? Only time will tell. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. Knives are coming out in the mayoral race. At the Nine News debate last week, Ian Thomas Tafoya took aim at Chris Hansen over a recent TV ad. Here's a clip of that fiery moment from the debate. I've got to be real honest about this. Raise your hand here on the stage if you're disgusted by an ad that makes people of color as the only criminals or the people who are overrepresented in homelessness. It is a trope that has been broken forever. There's a reason why people have PhDs in this writing books about it. I cannot believe that he would make this ad. I am so disappointed in you. We've worked on things together. When I saw the ad, I... I called a lot of people, and guess what? They agree with us. I hope that you will denounce it and take it away. To hear more from Tafoya, we've got our interview with him in the feed right now. And this weekend, I'll be asking Chris Hansen about the ad and exactly what he would do on public safety and homelessness. So stay tuned and catch all the mayoral madness at the link in our show notes. And finally, we talked last week with State Representative Javier Mabry about his proposal to allow Denver and other Colorado municipalities to implement rent control. And it looks like that conversation is not over yet. According to Colorado Newsline, Mabry's rent control bill cleared its first committee vote last week that mostly split along party lines, with only Democrat Alex Valdez joining the Republicans in opposition. Governor Jared Polis is reportedly still working hard on his broader housing proposal, so you know we're going to keep talking about this one as these two continue on a collision course. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell Suncor CEO Chris Smith about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you then.